Moving into resilience, we want to be considering groins, calves, and hamstrings as the big three ticket items of games missed due to those soft tissue injuries. And they, if we put a good program in place, they generally we can mitigate those. So we want to make sure we've got things like barbell RDLs for proximal hamstring, anywhere between three to four reps of five to eight repetitions with good load. Uh, make sure the feet are underneath the hips and that you're yeah, lifting around mid-shin or as long as their hamstrings can allow before their back starts to curve. That's around weighted Nornix, two to three sets of three to five repetitions to get that peak force, which we can track on the Nor board, but ultimately we want to try and get as much force as we can eccentrically with those. Hey, my name's Troy. I'm one of the Prepare Life Pro Academy members. Um, would highly recommend anyone that's interested in getting into strength and conditioning or just a player that's wanted to help their game to, to jump on the academy. It's been such a good investment for me, especially as a beginning strength and conditioning coach. It's a heap of experience at the highest of levels. Um, and he's got a great knowledge of strength and conditioning, especially regarding um, footballers. The guests that he gets on at the top of their fields are at such a high level and he really allows me to interact with them and um, ask questions um, and find out information that's really beneficial for me. So without the academy, I wouldn't have been able to um, speak to these high-level people that I really look up to, like Lockie Wilmont um, and Dylan Shield. So um, I think it's a very worthwhile investment. Um, it's been, yeah, great for me and would highly recommend it for anyone else. Hello and welcome to the Prepare Like a Pro podcast. Make sure if you haven't already to subscribe to my YouTube channel to receive a notification and never miss a live interview. I hope you enjoyed this interview and please share with a friend or a teammate that you think will value this episode. Let's go. And welcome to the High Performance Podcast for AFL staff and athletes. Today, I'm going to be discussing practical tips for strength and conditioning coaches that want to work in the AFL. And so bear with me. This is our second time that I'm doing this recording. Unfortunately, the first time there was no audio. So I just want to do a quick audio check for today's chat. Firstly, I've just uploaded 30 plus new acceleration and plyometric drills to improve your power, but also coaching cues in the Academy membership. So make sure to check out the exercise library for those new demonstrations and, and be able to practice those from a, if you're a footballer in your next warm-up or speed session but also for coaches that are on our, in the coaches academy you can see my favorite coaching cues and drills for improving acceleration and plyometric stiffness drills we've got a zoom party coming up to so this is not only for academy members but everyone that's on our email list will have access to our zoom link for our next get better plan live coaching call while we're presenting a recent presentation i did for asca on AFL, the AFL reconditioning role. So make sure to, if you're not on our email list, to join our email list via our website, preparelikepro.com. Uh, and of, of, of course, it's going to be first in best dress. It's uh, 4 p.m. next Tuesday, uh, which is the of February. So make sure to jump in on our email there. If you haven't got access to the link because you joined late, just direct message me and I'll send you the Zoom link. It'll be first in best dress, the first 100 attendees. And then we, after the presentation, more than happy to answer any questions. And then our next live high-performance interview will be with Nick Poulos, the head of performance at the GWS Giants. He's been in the industry for a very long time, so looking forward to chatting with him, all things performance, which will be 4 p.m. the 21st. That's on, Feb on Wednesday, 21st of February. So make sure to tune in for that live chat. Okay, so I've broken it down into 
one, two, three, four, five, six key areas that AFL strength and conditioning coaches need to be well equipped with, in my experience, to make an impact with athletes that are working at the highest level. And they are energy system development, obviously breaking data from aerobic point of view and anaerobic, running efficiency, both in slow running, high speed running and very high speed running, but your strength and power to help with contest side of the game, stiffness to help with your efficiency and your ping to be able to, whether it be help with activities like jumping, cutting, acceleration, your agility, both from a reactive point of view, but also your change of direction technique for things like open step, crossover step, of course, excel, decel, and power cutting. Your game speed, which I've broken down into your ability to accelerate over five meters, your deceleration stop on a dime, and of course, your sprinting ability, but also in context of the game, so your ability to disassociate shoulders and hips, whether it be in a handball chain, to receive a handball at speed where it's coming from behind, but also for things like picking up a ground ball and accelerating away from the contest as well. And having a technical model with those key areas is critical. So I'll talk about the importance of analyzing and then that influencing your cues with the athlete, the drill selection, and then of course, how often you should reanalyze to see if your program is working. Uh, ultimately, I think if you're doing a good job as strategy high performance staff, you're improving the confidence of your playing list because they've got better capacities, i.e. they're lifting more weight in the gym, they're running faster, they're accelerating more efficiently. Now they can see through video analysis that their technique is better in agility, speed and acceleration and you're improving things like their 2K time trial and their general ability to handle back-to-back sessions over pre-season so their resilience and of course they're going to have soreness but you're mitigating risk of injury so their ability to handle pre-season and go into an in-season unscathed with little or no setbacks from missing games from injuries that's that's ultimately the big rock for us and see so we'll go into breaking down in a little bit more detail those key six areas so energy system development i've actually got a pre-season template in our academy so make sure if you haven't already joined i'm happy for all podcast listeners to get a free 30-day trial so hit me up if you haven't had that 30-day trial and i'll send you a coupon link we've got i've got a spreadsheet laid out over a pre-season that i did at a community level sport but you could also apply that at semi-pro sport as well. So anyone that's, if you're training your football club two or three times a week, then they're mainly doing their work on the field. You've got a little access to the gym. That spreadsheet can come really handy from a load management point of view, conditioning prescription from aerobic and repeat speed and sprinting, as well as some agility drills as well. But you want to understand the player's demands. How does the coach want the the team playing? Are they going to be a real high-speed, hard-running, defensive a unit are they going to be more contest um acceleration speed sort of team so and then that chaos so understanding how they're going to want to play and then ultimately putting in your program to add in a little bit extra but your 80 to 90 percent should be preparing them to be able to ultimately run out of a game which is they're going to need aerobic work and they're going to need anaerobic work so watch games look at the gps reports if you have access to them and speak to coaches and analysts to get an understanding of how that player, what their strengths are, what their role demands, and then you can start to individualize that if you have the opportunity to at your club. Big rocks when it comes to aerobic development, 
three to one, so like a 90-second effort into a 30-second walk. Do that for about six to eight minutes typically, 45 on, 15 off. These That's another good template. And then having an objective measure, so they're not just running subjectively, but they've actually got a target set out. So you set a cone, work out their nine, for aerobic development, working out around 90% of their maximal aerobic speed. So yeah, if, if you've done a 2K time trial, you can work that out. I've also got a MAS spreadsheet in the academy as well. So if you need one, jump in there. And if, yeah, if you have any questions, just hit me up. Anaerobic work, obviously we want to give them more rest because it's higher intensity. So we want to respect that. We want that quality of, of work. So typically one to two or even one to three, depending on how long the duration of the rep is. Four to six reps per set, 12 to 40 seconds of, of work to be able to develop their also their lactate threshold and that the intensity pres- prescribed to be objective with that would be they're at their MAS pace so 100% of their testing pace and then they take into account their max velocity to work out their anaerobic speed reserve and I'll program plus 25% on top of their MAS uh, anywhere up to 30% of their MAS. so you're moving quite fast some, some athletes are moving 6 meters per second with those two considerations moving into running efficiency we want to be looking at side-on view, rear view, and front-on to look for things like, so like the technical model that I discussed, I like to see with their foot contacts with the ground, is that relatively close to underneath their center of mass? Is it quite a toe contact? Is it quite a heel contact? Or is it more around the midfoot? Hip and shoulders, are they dropping, rotating excessively? And you can see that with the front-on, rear-on view. And then also their heel recovery, their backside mechanics, which you can see quite well with their rear view. To improve their efficiency with these, obviously running slow, anywhere under, under 4.5 meters per second for most AFL athletes is, would be running at a steady pace and then below that a jogging pace. You're not going to be using a lot of constraints around the drills in terms of like wickets and cones and adding extra perturbation tools because it is quite a, a low stiffness required. There's not as much pretension that we need for that type of running. But we do want some tension, so that's where you working on cadence can be really important. Using video, so they're not sloppy through the ankle, and that's where dribbling from ankle, calf, and knee, and bleeding that into a run can work really well when you're warming up and working on the efficiency of athletes. They can feel what it feels like to have still some form of pretension um, going through the body before they're running, and they're not just almost running, not even thinking about it at all, and just that awful plodding type technique that we can see break down where they've got massive amount of hip drop and their foot foots when swing phase is facing the ground their big toe so we want to have keep those angles up of course we don't need the same attention as the higher activities like hard accelerations and sprinting but we still want some to maintain good joint angles so that's where dribbling can be quite helpful when you are doing very high speed running and sprinting i love wickets i think every time i put wickets out and you've got a video analysis you can pretty much see their improvement of efficiency foots underneath the hip uh, swing leg thigh and stance leg thigh gap is minimal and they generally got a pretty good posture so wickets are great obviously just taking into consideration their stride length and height when setting those up bound straight leg bounds a skips and bleeding that into a high speed sprint run are also effective way to get that pretension um, and co-contraction of, of hammies and hip flexors bef- while building in efficiency going into your high speed runs Move over to strength and power. Ultimately, this can be really effective for improving the contest of the team and acceleration. So if that's something that coaches have identified as important for your team, then you want to make sure you've got a 
really robust strength and power program and that you've got the athletes bought into how important it is for their maximal force development and improving for that part of the game. So exercises that I think are non-negotiables, you want to be squatting heavy or deadlifting heavy, like trap bar deadlift. You'd be doing anywhere between four to six sets of low reps, three to six, four to six sets of three to six reps. And we want to be working at a heavy load. So you might be building them up to like a heavy set of 80% of their max, for example, with good rest in between, typically working every three minutes so they can have good intent, good quality technique, as well as moving those moderate weights fast and explosively. Uh, bench press, weighted chin-ups and bench pulls would be the same template. Then moving into more your power stuff. I love unilateral power work. Obviously, a lot of the game is unilateral in nature. So step-ups, banded step-ups, box jumps, single box jumps, single broad jumps, all that concentric power work, loaded jumps as well to improve their power and um, sled march and then sled accelerations can also be really good for developing their ankle stiffness. Moving into resilience, we want to be considering groins, calves and hamstrings as the big three ticket items of games missed due to those soft tissue injuries and they if we put a good program in place that generally we can mitigate those so we want to make sure we've got things like barbell rdls for proximal hamstring anywhere between three to four reps of five to eight repetitions with good load and make sure the feet are underneath the hips and that you're yeah lifting around mid shin or as long as their hamstrings can allow before their back starts to curve that's around weighted nornics two three sets of three to five repetitions to get that peak force which we can track on the nor board um, but ultimately, we want to try and get as much force as we can eccentrically with those. Single leg RDL or single leg back extensions for unilateral hamstring development, typically three sets of six to 10 repetitions. Seated calf work if they're not doing sled marches for just that ankle stiffness work and, and targeting the soleus, which we know is highly active in all forms of running and a pretty prevalent injury for AFL footballers typically three to six sets there or three times 20 meters on the sled march then copenhagen's for groins or cable adduction anywhere between two to three sets of eight to 15 repetitions there to work on there obviously your, your groins and your hip control moving over to technology you want to be well versed with gps get understanding of the athlete and your conditioning prescription and and are they a fast accelerator so if they're doing 150 meter reps and they get to that high-speed threshold quite early in the rep, then they're going to get more distance per rep from obviously the heart, the exposure of that prescription compared to a slower accelerator. You want to have an idea of their output and work rate generally in football drills. It's particularly important when you're looking after reconditioning athletes where you can be quite individualized in prescription and you're making live decisions on getting them as close to plan A as you can. Four stacks for having strong robust markers to maximize the athletes both from a stiffness point of view so drop jumps singly drop jumps but also power counter movement jumps to be able to track and monitor your program also i love them for isometric efforts whether you're trying to do max force over three to five seconds see how much force the athlete can generate and looking at limb to limb it's like a single back squat iso for more knee biased or a sprinter calf iso for that gastrot work or or seated calf iso for the soleus and seeing what the capacity is for those areas particularly around reconditioning where we want to see how much force that that area that when isolated can generate and that might be that might mean that the athlete needs a bit more strength work to be able to handle the the rigors of, of running demands and acceleration demands um, so yeah being well versed with force decks of course nor board and and force frame to be assess hamstring strength and all your 
hip and groin assessments. From a stiffness point of view, so your plyometric work, which typically we do pre-field, we want to coach the athlete to have pre-tension in the air, so that stiffness throughout the whole body in the air to maintain good positions, and that way they're not sloppy when they hit the ground. We want quick contacts, hot coals. There's a great cue to enforce the athlete to be able to generate force as rapidly as possible. You can, If the athlete isn't ready for plyometric work due to a lower limb injury, then you can use rate of force to run ISOs. I found it to showing the athlete how quickly within 100 milliseconds or 200 milliseconds they're generating force is a great way to get that stimulus. But typically if they're doing stiffness work, plyometric work, we want to think vector, say, is it medial lateral work to improve their agility? Is it horizontal to improve the acceleration? Or is it more your vertical to work on that upright aerial jumping and sprinting tolerance? And then from amplitude point of view, is it intensive, more activation, repetition, good rhythm, or is it more extensive for maximum force work so having a good drill framework and also explain to the athlete what we're looking for here is it more rhythm based introduction to players or is it more high force activity that we're looking for and then last one game speed which is a massive one obviously with the work of france boss jones dodo uh john pryor dean benton these guys it's quite popular these days so i break that in three different areas have a technical model with all of them which you can create over time with with experience You've got your agility with, with football. We want that open step where we're, where we're moving one direction and quickly swivel the hips and shoulders to move another direction without stopping. We want a power cut with the outside leg, ideally, to be able to create as much space away from an opponent. So quite an off- offensive movement pattern to get away from space and not get tackled. And without any shuttles, so you can maintain or shuffling the feet so you can maintain speed and power cut. Obviously, take into account context and demands. So for forwards we want to be doing a lot of like and, and defenders they want to have that disassociation they can track the ball track the the players that are about to kick the ball and their shoulders and, and hips will be facing the player but their, their shoulders sorry we're facing the player but their hips will be facing in the opposite direction where they're tracking backwards towards goals and then they can react and accelerate forwards where their hips and shoulders both face in the same direction so understanding the athlete's demands and positions and where you might want to focus on like an inside mid more on stop start axel decel type work crossover step have that weight on the inside leg for your your like shuttle like pattern so when an athlete is doing like a 90 degree turn 180 turn disassociating the hop hip shoulders have discussed acceleration so big ones athletes in football because they're always looking up will tend to have vertical shins in their acceleration and they'll strike in front or in line with them with their center of mass we want them to strike behind their center of mass with positive shin angles similar to the trunk so falling forward so they can generate maximal horizontal force and pushing back behind them to project their hips forward so that's really really important to, to actually train that because in australia we don't do a lot of it unless they've done track and field so slowing that down doing it with sleds to get them in those positions and fill those positions doing it with weighted chains can be a really effective way and just showing them the video i found is an effective way to improve those things ankle reactivity and switching two of the big things because the athletes are quite strong they can project well as long as they're in good positions and they're struck the ground in good positions so typically working on the reactivity of the ankle getting minimal heel drop and switching throughout the air that limb exchange rapid limb exchange and, and contacting the foot behind the body but also splitting that opposite swing leg through so that knees um, driving out in front, so you're getting that foot from stiff foot, so you can be able to strike the ground with force is really, really important. And then lastly, speed. As I mentioned, we want a minimal thigh gap between 
the swing leg and the stance leg on ground contact. Typically, we want around that midfoot connection, stiff foot, so make sure that the heel, the big toes facing forwards as, as close as you can rather than vertically down. Looking for things like hip drop, which will, will result in a sloppiness through the hips, so therefore you're going to spend more time on the ground, which is more muscle work, more strain on the particularly things like soleus. So we want shorter contacts and active hips, nice stable, stable pelvis, so we're efficient in our running pattern and then and reducing the amount of total work. And then ultimately once we've got those good, that technical model working nicely for us, the athletes have got awareness of what success feels like and we want to be able to analyse that fresh with in context. So after a ground ball, accelerating and getting to speed, um, handball chain, can they do it in the context of their sport? So sprinting with maybe three athletes and, and doing it in a handball chain fashion and executing the skill. And then ultimately under fatigue as well. What are the, what does the chicken water look like when they're under fatigue with lactate throughout the system and high heart rate? And that's it, guys. So like I mentioned, if you're interested to join our academy, you can see exactly all these things I talked about. I've got new videos popping in every month. So you can see some some drills with coaching cues and tips. It's only $20 a month, but I'm happy for a podcast listeners to get a free month. Just hit us up. And if you're interested to jump on a performance discovery call, remember I'm offering them for free, 20 minutes. We chat exclusively one-on-one about your career and how you can set yourself up as a strength conditioning coach, whether it be in the next four years, map out a goal plan to work in the industry full-time, or it might be more recent than that. Maybe you've already accrued some good experiences. You've got tier to dance, you're qualified and you really want to try and maximize this year to set yourself for a full contract at the end of the year, jump on a call with me, jump in my calendar. The link is in the show notes, and I look forward to chatting with you soon. Thank you for listening. Remember to rate the show and subscribe to our YouTube channel to never miss a live Q&A. Look forward to seeing you on the next one.